Hi, I'm Marta from Incision UK, and this is another episode of In Conversation With. The theme of today is World Trauma Day, and I have Dr. Kapil Sugand. Dr. Sugand graduated from Imperial College before completing his MRCS and a postgraduate certificate in healthcare and biomedical education from St. George's University in London. He's currently a PhD student um, and surgical research fellow at the MSK lab in Charing Cross Hospital. Without further ado, hello, Dr. Sugand. Thank you for being with us today. So to start off with, could you tell us a little bit about um, your current work? Sure, thank you very much, Martha and Incision UK for uh, inviting me today. Um, so a little bit about my work, um, besides doing the research at Imperial College London, um, I'm also a, uh, an orthopedic registrar um, in Northwest London Deanery. Um, so my work is actually a mixture of both clinical and research-led um, activities. Um, every day is very different, uh, depends on what goes on, but a lot of clinics operating, um, uh, dealing with the, the uh, COVID pandemic and also doing a lot of research in the, in the matter and how the pandemic has um, affected um, our speciality. Um, and my uh, specialist subject, my research uh, revolves around uh, surgical simulation, uh, trauma education, trying to improve the um, quality of training for future generations of surgeons um, using educational technology. Okay. Um, and what was your journey through medical school and early training? What journey did you take? So um, went straight from school to medical school at Imperial, and I've basically stayed there uh, for the rest of my career, quite honestly. I've been around the, the university. I've, um, after graduating, I uh, was fortunate enough to obtain a, an academic um, foundation uh, program, um, also at St. George's, actually, uh, where, I, where I was doing some research in, in renal transplantation. Um, knowing that I was going to wanted to be a surgeon, but not quite sure which speciality, eventually, as I did more jobs and went into my core surgical training, I realized that I was going to, or that I wanted to specialize in, in trauma and orthopedics. Um, but I would say I was quite late uh, in my career to, to figure that out. Um, and there's a lot of pressure I see from my medical students to make that decision early on. But... Um, but, but that's certainly not the case. Um, and made that decision on our registrar. And I think once you find your passion for a speciality, it then opens a lot more doors. And for me, it opened up these incredible opportunities to conduct research on an international scale and getting published in journals and presenting my work all over the world at conferences. Um, and, um, it's, it's something that um, I think only comes once you realise what you've always wanted to do. Was there anything in particular that drew you to trauma orthopaedics? Um, yes, it, it did. And I, I, I don't think I realised that earlier in my career. Um, but unlike every other disease or disorder, for example, um, heart attacks will pick and choose as victims. Uh, let's say from the Indian subcontinent, diabetes has a similar profile, cancer is a disease of the aged. What I, what really drew me towards trauma in orthopedics is that 
it doesn't really pick and choose as victims. It can happen to anybody at any time, anywhere. And so um, I have had to treat uh, people who are literally newborns, a couple of days old, and my oldest patient is 105 years old with a hip fracture who I operated on. And um, there's a, a huge range of, of patient selection. And then being able to um, treat the disability as a result of a functional deficit and get them back up on their feet or function again is where I get my job satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and and um, it's, it's a wonderful mixture of many specialities. So um, there is a lot of um, other um, parts to orthopedics, which I think a lot of people undermine or, or overlook. There is a lot of general medicine, geriatric medicine, pediatrics, uh, general practice. And it's the breadth of um, a skill set and knowledge that orthopedic surgeons require in spite of what the stereotypes may may tell us otherwise. Um, that's what I really enjoy about it. Okay. And what's it like working in a major trauma centre in London? It's, um, it's, uh, it's an experience. It's an experience that not every trainee will get, regardless of speciality, even in orthopaedic surgery, believe it or not. It's definitely a step up. Mm-hmm. Just because of the um, nature of injuries and cases that come through, um, the complexity of injuries, the polytrauma, open fractures, um, and the uh, super specialist cases that come to a major trauma center because we're set up for that. Um, with the fact that we have a vascular service and a plastic service lends itself to um, being able to do certain complex operations you wouldn't necessarily um, expect to do in a district, district general hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the centralization of these complex uh, um, cases and, and polytrauma and open fractures, um, it's certainly a steep learning curve. Um, and so the, the urgency of treatment is, is, certainly, um, uh, is certainly heightened there than, than anywhere else um, I've worked. Uh, but it's, it's, a, it's a great experience and I hope will make me a better surgeon. Um, and being able to uh, also manage orthopedic emergencies uh, well. Mm-hmm. Um, there are about uh, the statistics uh, for major trauma centers in the UK ranges anywhere between 11 to 19 percent, depending on how you define a, um, an NHS trust, for example. Mm-hmm. And so um, there is um, a lot of people who may have. Uh, read up on orthopedic emergencies, but may not have the opportunity to really manage one okay. um, unless they unless they rotate through a major trauma center. So, it's it's certainly an education, mm-hmm. a very valuable one. Okay, that's good. So, coming to the topic of um, this podcast, World Trauma Day, could you yes. tell us a little bit about the importance of the field of trauma and emergency medicine, in your opinion? Yes, I, I think I think those are particularly the reasons why the World Trauma Day was initiated. Um, mm-hmm. This was done um, earlier in the decade um, and um, created uh, and, and founded in India, actually. Um, so according to the World Health Organization, some of the statistics that we all need to know about is 
that around 6 million uh, people lose their lives due to trauma on an annual basis. Mm -hmm. And it's considered the third um, uh, largest cause of the clinical burden in the world. Mm -hmm. um, and it's going to rise um, as automation and technology advances as well. Um, and so it's very important that we shed light onto trauma because unlike many other diseases and disorders, to some extent, it may be uh, preventable, it may be avoidable, um, if not um, having the ability to reduce its uh, occurrence. Mm -hmm. So um, having a World Trauma Day is very, uh, is, is prudent because it um, helps uh, people both in developed and less developed countries to be able to learn certain uh, skills that may actually save lives. So um, some of the uh, initiatives and widening participation programs included um, teaching um, the general population and the public about uh, Heimlich maneuvers, how to manage burns, um, mm -hmm. uh, basic life support, um, and, uh, and so on and so forth. So, um, th there's certainly uh, a need for it, um, mm -hmm. and, and I'm glad it's being peddled uh, around the world with the, uh, with the World Trauma Day, which is on the 17th of October. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I recently came across the covert study that you're conducting. Could you tell us a little bit about what it is? Absolutely. Um, thank you for, for mentioning it. Um, around mid-March, when the country went into lockdown, um, it impacted um, everybody, obviously, but it certainly had this impact on uh, the uh, educational opportunities for surgical trainees as myself. Mm -hmm. We had to suspend all elective practice. Uh, trauma operations were reduced to uh, a minimum. Um, it wasn't really safe to operate on, on patients. Mm -hmm. And we didn't know as much about it then as we do now. Mm -hmm. So. Um, there was this huge sense of duty from myself and my team um, at um, Imperial College NHS Trust to be able to use our time wisely and, and try to contribute to uh, the literature and the know-how on how COVID was affecting our craft. Mm -hmm. So we, we founded a, um, an organization, the COVERT um, Collaborative, uh, which is the COVID emergency related trauma and orthopedics um, collaborative. And, and um, we started on a small scale. We started looking at the effect of the pandemic on a, uh, a local scale, mm -hmm. so only at St. Mary's. We then uh, published our results um, in Actor Orthopedica. And then we went into subgroup analysis and looked at how it, it, was, how it, how it affected uh, adults and children. And that got published as well. And that was a center-wide study. Mm -hmm. And then we've just finished the first cycle of the national study, which is currently being reviewed um, uh, by journals. Um, uh, and um, the, the next cycle um, is about to be completed as well, which is the international perspective and looking at the impact of COVID-19 on the um, number of acute admissions and the operative case mix in trauma and orthopedics around the world. Mm 
Okay, that's fantastic. And what are you um, hoping to achieve kind of with this study um, in terms of the pandemic and managing trauma orthopedics? I think um, at the time of starting it, it was almost a blind leading the blind. Nobody really knew <laughs> the impact of of the of the um, the viral outbreak. I mean, we all saw it, but nobody really knew the diagnostic criteria, let alone the prognosis and what what the, how this disease would evolve in society and and what would happen then. So mm -hmm. at that time, the idea was to try to create a risk prediction tool to see which patients were most likely going to be affected if okay. we were to operate on them because mm -hmm. you also have to remember that every operation carries its own risks post-operative risks mm -hmm. um, and although they're in a minority of patients there are certain patients who belong to a higher risk stratification and are potentially more likely to have suffered uh, further complications if they um, had an operation which could have potentially waited or if they have um, an injury that could have been treated without an operation or, or conservatively as we as we say yeah. um, so we then collaborated with the pan surge uh, group at imperial college london as well um, and together we we're doing this international study to look at the risk prediction tool Right. Um, so it's always a need. One of the um, qualities of a surgeon that I've learned um, and that I've observed is that you need to be able to um, select your patient population well. You need to be able to know how to do the right operation at the right time for the right patient um, in, in the right place. And that all becomes quite muddled when you uh, throw in a an unprecedented global pandemic. Yeah, of course. And so um, it's not just worrying about the minority of people who may or may not get post-operative complications, but you also have to be very considerate about the effect of of COVID as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and now, just coming to my last question. What's your opinion or experiences on global trauma and emergency health and surgery? Um, I th certainly think that it is improving. Mm -hmm. I think there is a lot more attention given to trauma than um, it was before. Right. Um, there has been an evolution of our field, not just in this country, but around the world as well. So, um, Traumatology has become its own speciality. And compared to those specialities, it is in its infancy, but it's certainly evolving at an exponential rate. Trauma surgeons used to be orthopedic surgeons, but nowadays um, major trauma is its own speciality and is also led by general surgeons and neurosurgeons. Mm -hmm. um, so there's certainly a, 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 a multidisciplinary input, so much more so now than, than ever before. Um, the World Health Organization has also led many studies and published many reports on the state of trauma on a global scale. And we see that the numbers of patients um, involved in trauma is certainly increasing with time. And that the burden on not just global society, but on um, national communities is also um, increasing because of a result of trauma and um, managing um, disability as a result of trauma. 
So um, it is um, certainly encouraging to see that uh, trauma and orthopedic trauma specifically um, is being um, uh, given, given center stage. Um, the WHO again predicts that one in two people in the world will require at least one orthopedic intervention in their lifetime. So um, having that support and having one of the largest surgical fraternities in the country um, uh, as a specialty, as a craft, means that there's certainly a higher demand and we're doing everything we can to um, match its supply. Okay, that's fantastic. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today. Um, if, if anyone who's listening wants more information on Dr. Sugan, please visit our website where we'll have a biography and links to his work. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Martha. Thank you, Incision. Thank you.